Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America this time, and I've got to apologize. I know that I am in a room that has a lot of echo. Um, I'm traveling right now with my family. I'm staying in a place that is relatively new, and there's not a lot of furniture. There's not a lot of carpet. There's nothing to really absorb the sound as it echoes and bounces off of the wall. I know many of you don't listen to these podcasts because they are so well tailored and have really good sound, but when I know that the sound is especially atrocious, I do want to apologize. I also want to apologize because there has been a little bit of a lag in the podcast that I've been doing lately, and let me tell you why. I've been traveling quite a lot, working together with the Chinese that have been living and serving in the Middle East, and it has been an amazing, an amazing time. And I've been traveling quite a lot together with the Chinese and none of them feel like being recorded. I wish I could record an interview with any of them that are working in the Middle East. Many of them would probably lose their minds if they knew that I was even talking a little bit about the work that they are doing. They would like to keep everything that they're doing super, super secret. So what I am doing is I'm going to respect their identity or their lack of uh, open identity and not give any details about the work that they've been doing in the Middle East. But I will tell you that we have Chinese brothers and sisters, missionaries from China that have the back to Jerusalem vision in their bones. And they are serving today in various countries throughout the Middle East. And it was such a pleasure to be able to meet with them talk with them, pray with them, and hear the details of the ministry that they have been involved in in the closed countries where they serve. It has been a real, real privilege. I've been humbled. I've been absolutely humbled to be able to serve together with them. For this podcast, I also have another apology. So this is the trifecta of apologies. An apology because this is not such great quality for a podcast. An apology because I haven't done podcasts in in, in the frequency that I usually do them. And an apology because this podcast is probably going to have language that many people will find offensive. So if you are traveling with small children or you would rather have a PG-rated podcast. This is probably not a podcast for you. You can go ahead and stop it, turn it off. You're not really going to miss anything. I apologize if just the idea of listening to a podcast with bad language is offensive to you. I'm not easily offended by language. All right. I try to be respectful of other people's language barriers. Um, I listen to bad language and even probably say a few words that are not considered to be culturally appropriate on a regular basis. Um, I try not to for this podcast 
because I really do want to communicate with the largest audience, but I find that the way to properly express myself or listen to others properly express themselves is not putting limits on words that they can say or not say that are not necessarily not biblical words, but just words that are not culturally appropriate, especially for people that are sensitive to certain words. So I do want to tell you that this is the place right here. Stop, move on to another podcast if you are easily offended by language, because this is a podcast is not going to be a long one, but it's one that I just, I, I, I felt motivated to do when I started to hear more about this concept of F you money. I'm not going to say the word for the, the F word. Most people that are familiar with the English language knows what that means. For those of you that are listening to us in another country, you've probably watched enough uh, American movies or if you've watched anything British, the Brits are even worse when it comes to the F word. They use it all the time on primetime TV channels on their episodes. So they're not really as offended by it. And I, Brits, if you're listening to this, a big shout out to you. I love the fact that you can say what you want and be expressive and not really worry about putting restrictions on your own languages or thoughts. I do think that there are times where you might you might use the word a little bit obsessively. Like there are times where you have the F word in one sentence a hundred times and it is the verb, the adjective, the noun, the pronoun, like everything in that sentence is just the F word. I've listened to enough of the Gordon Ramsay uh, programs on TV where I think it is his number one word for vocabulary. But if any of you have been watching uh, uh, some of the more, uh, what can I say, not modern, but recent discussions uh, when it comes to income generation, there is a rising group in the world today that is talking about this concept of FU money. And for this, I'm just going to call it up yours money or, or money that says, I don't care about you. So up yours, or I don't care about how much you don't like me or, or how much you can't tolerate me or how much my words offended you. At the end of the day, I'm going to say what's true and up yours if you don't like it. That is what the idea of F you money really means. And I, and I was listening to a guy sharing about this. And I heard an example about Humphrey Bogart. If you're not familiar with Humphrey Bogart, he's kind of an American icon when it comes to movies in early America in the 19, early 1900s, 1920s. And Humphrey Bogart, which this, this famous American actor, he used to say that he kept a $100 bill in his dresser drawer at all times. And in the 1920s, that was a decent chunk of change. I mean, $100 doesn't really mean too much to us now. It's still, it's, it's still a good amount, but $100 in the 1920s was like a couple thousand. I mean, you could buy a car with $100 in the 1920s. And Humphrey Bogart said this. He said he used to keep a $100 bill in his dresser drawer at all times, just as his, now he didn't call it FU money, but that's kind of what it was because it meant to him that $100 bill in his dresser drawer meant to him that he would never be forced to take a crappy part. 
And if he was ever offered a crappy part and he thought to himself, well, I kind of need the money, so I'm going to do this crappy part, he would be reminded of that $100 that's in his dresser drawer and be like, you know what? I don't need that money. I don't need that crappy part. So up yours. That was his up yours money. And many of you that are listening to this podcast right now, I would like to ask you, how much money do you need before you stop to care what people think? How much money do you need right now that would keep you from doing something that you don't want to do, like bogey or Bogart in his, in, in his movie roles, the, the roles that he really didn't want to take, but he took them for money. How much money would you need to have to not do what you don't want to do? There are a lot of people right now that are not involved in ministry because they're scared of not being able to make their home payment, their house payment. They're scared of not being able to pay for that car that they really wanted at the moment that they wanted it. They have a lifestyle that demands a certain level of income and that income cannot be met, met with ministry finances or donations. There are people right now that are afraid of losing their job, losing their home, losing their freedom. If they simply shared their biblical beliefs in public, There are people that are listening to this podcast right now, I'm convinced, that refuse to endorse certain biblical beliefs because they believe they will be punished financially. How much money would you need to say, you know what? Up yours. This is what the Bible says. This is what I believe, and I will not sway from it. I believe that there are people listening to this podcast right now that are not sharing what they think in public or online because they are so afraid of losing that which helps them to afford their current lifestyle. Up yours money is the money that you need in your life that basically says, I got it made from here. I don't need extra income. I don't need the extra job. I don't need that extra paycheck. I can go and do ministry regardless of whether my boss likes it or not. I can go and do what God has called me to do without fearing about losing my paycheck or losing my house. Guys, there is something about this idea of having up yours money where you can taste the freedom, where you can say up yours and not care because this is what the Bible says, because you're good. You're taken care of. You have enough money to survive even if you don't get another penny. (laughs) Now, many of you are already listening to this podcast and being like, this is maybe not something that I want to share openly about. This is, uh, you might be listening as a pastor and say, this is definitely not a message that I'm going to be sharing with my congregation. I get it. And maybe that's the reason why so many people around the world are listening to this podcast, because admit it, there's not a lot of people willing to preach a message about up yours. But that's 
kind of what I want for ministry. Now, you got to hear me out on this. I want an up yours ministry, a ministry that says up yours. Like, I don't care what the world says. I don't care if I'm barred from restaurants or society or banks, which I have been in the last week, by the way. That's another story. But there, I don't, that, that kind of feeling that you get with the Bible, with Jesus on your side that says, up yours. By the way, if you hear that smacking sound, that's the sound of me mimicking a middle finger going up in the air. I'm not really using one. It doesn't really matter if I am because you can't see it. But that sound is my, my arm hitting my hand on my fingers way up in the air. That is the ministry that I want. One in which I seen Jesus have. Now, I know that many of you are boiling right now saying that Jesus never had an up yours ministry, but the way that I'm describing this, just, just hear me out because when you see Jesus and the way that he ministered, he didn't give a rip about the most influential people or what they thought of him. He didn't try to get on the good side of the Pharisees so that he could speak in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He didn't meet with the religious leaders and say things that they liked in order for them to give him a platform to share the message that he was bringing to the world. He didn't try to get King Herod on his podcast. Jesus wasn't trying to get endorsed by the, the local hummus producers. And this message is brought to you by your friendly hummus makers. For better health, eat more hummus. Now back to your teaching with Jesus with his message, five ways to stay out of hell. He didn't. He didn't stay away from subjects because he thought he was going to lose sponsors. He, 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 he didn't try to make those that had power, those that had position, those that have authority happy with what he was saying. He had an up yours ministry, one in which he shared the truth, whether they liked it or not. And here is the thing. Most of the time, they didn't like it. And Jesus was like, yep, there it is, laying on the table. I threw it down and I don't care. I don't need your approval. I don't need your endorsement. I don't need your donations. I don't need your finances. I don't need you to pay for my house. I don't need you to pay for my car. I don't need this job. I don't need that paycheck. I'm going to go about the father's business no matter what. And if you don't like it, up yours. Now, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the words of Jesus, but this is the way that I'm seeing his ministry not really given a rip about the local authorities and the way that they did things at the time. When he saw that temple that was used for praising his father, for bringing honor to him, for the nation of Israel bringing about their annual sins and asking for forgiveness. Guys, in the temple, animals were slashed. Jesus cares about the animals. God cares about the animals. He made them. You don't think that he doesn't feel the pain when animals suffer? I believe that he does. I'm, an, I'm a meat eater and I love animals. One of the things that I love about the kosher diet is that 
the, the idea of being kosher is to make sure that no animal ever suffers. Ever. That our sustenance relies on their sacrifice. For me to have that meal, and I'll talk about you know a great cheeseburger or a great steak or a great lamb chop, but when you are involved in taking the life of that animal, you eat with reverence knowing that that animal sacrificed so that you could have your nutrients. And when the people of Israel went into the temple, they slashed throat after throat of camel, oxen, goat, birds. Animals were being sacrificed so much that blood flew out, flowed out from the altar. And there's such a grievance with that death that it brings about temporary atonement for the sins of the people that offer that sacrifice. That's why the sacrifice of Christ is so important because it was his blood that was precious, that was sacrificed for us so that we could have eternal life. Those animals didn't sin. They are suffering and dying and paying the ultimate price for our sin, for the sins of Israel, for the sins of this world. And when Jesus walks into the temple and he sees that animals are being bought and sold, not as a sacrifice, but as a convenience. When he sees money changers that are allowing pilgrims who are supposed to bring their sacrifice in, in, in almost in a dirty sackcloth type of way, be humbled before the throne and grieving over their sins, instead was finding an ATM to conveniently pay for their sins. Very much like the same idea that the Catholic Church was involved in prior to uh, uh, Martin Luther, where they would sell people's salvation through uh, these almost like bonds where you could buy your relative out of purgatory for a certain price by giving it over, giving over money and gold and silver to the Catholic Church. That's what was being done in the temple. And Jesus didn't walk in and say, guys, I think think, maybe, possibly, what's happening here might not be exactly what we're supposed to be doing. No, he, he went in with chains, whips. I mean, he didn't go in with chains and whips as a threat. It was a presence of you're going to be meeting the business end of this whip if you don't get out of here selling these precious animals so that they could be killed in a market exchange so that somebody who's coming from far away can actually celebrate in the festival, pay a few dollars for convenience and not have to be a part of the actual sacrifice. That there were money changers and, and dealers in the temple that was allowing for money to come in from other nations that could be used to purchase a sacrifice that meant nothing at all to the person that was giving it. This looks like a good bird. This is a good pigeon. This one looks nice, plump, and fat. This looks like a 
lamb without spot and without blemish. I think I'll take this one today. Slice, dice, walk away. And you think your sins are forgiven. Jesus went off. And he was not about to, trying to make friends. The biggest example, I think, it for the up yours ministry might be John chapter 6, verse 66. It's a verse that I point to very often. Anybody listening to this podcast is very familiar with it by now. This is where the disciples left Jesus. It's the only time in the New Testament where we have the, the number 666 together. And we have one of the darkest verses in the entire Bible. I do not think these two things are are by mistake or by coincidence. I do believe that this is 666 because it's one of the darkest verses in the Bible. And one of the things that we see is that Jesus was talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood and everybody was offended. They were all disciples of Jesus. They were all followers of Jesus. They were all listening to Jesus. They were all enamored by Jesus. But then he began to speak and they all left. And it was only these 12 that were remaining. And Jesus didn't say, wait, guys, don't leave. You Maybe you didn't fully understand what I was trying to say. And then tries to backpedal and come up with a more politically correct way of explaining what it is that he was trying to share. Instead, he said, are you not going to leave as well? Jesus spoke a hard truth. And truth is offensive. And so many ministries tend not want to, to not want to discuss it. Um, right after this podcast, we want to be doing a podcast together with a good friend of mine by the name of Magnus. Magnus is a, is a guy from Sweden. He and I did a road trip together a couple weeks ago. I went and I spoke at a conference in Sweden. And it was an amazing time. But as Magnus and I were traveling together... He was sharing to me that this new Swedish organization or this, this connection of different Swedish ministries all around Sweden were coming together and it's called SEMA, the Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance. And they had their very first kind of bigger meeting where they had 21 different organizations from around Sweden, evangelical organizations that came together and for their very first meeting, for the very first morning, for the very first time together, they asked me to come and share with them what it would take to complete the Great Commission. And as Magnus and I were driving, I asked Magnus, why is this SEMA being put together? What prompted you to put this together. And I'm going to be asking them, him this same question again when we try, when we do our podcast together and that will be posted right after this one. But he, he told me, he said, the reason why we're doing this is because so many churches in Sweden are not teaching the truth. There are so many organizations and Christian churches and pastors and evangelists and preachers in Sweden, they will talk about the love of God, but they won't say anything about the love of God that goes against modern Swedish ideas. And as a result, most Christians don't know the truth. And therefore, most Christians, because their churches are silent 
on these different ideas. They are taking the teaching of the world and the world is setting the paradigm, the program, what Christians are supposed to believe. So Christians are believing something that doesn't necessarily come from the Bible being taught to them by the pastors and the shepherds of this world. Instead, Christians are believing that which is taught to them by the world. Now, SEMA, the Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance, in many ways is an up yours ministry. Now, they won't put it that way. There's no way they would ever put it that way because they're all nice Swedes. And I listen, I'm not talking about being a complete jackass for no reason, right? Some people are annoying. I get it. There, there, there are people that are speaking out and they're not necessarily speaking the truth, but they're being a nag and, and not a very well-informed nag. I mean, I hear it all the time. People that feel like they're speaking the truth and they hear my language. There's going to be probably people write to me and say, how dare you do a podcast called Up Yours Ministry? Uh, I, I, you know, and I get it and I'm not necessarily saying, and I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not going to say that this is something that I truly believe in, that I need to be able to use foul language in order to express God's word. What I'm saying is that sometimes we need to be able to use our modern thoughts and language to rightfully express certain ideas. And one of those ideas, at least for me, is this, this idea that, you know, we don't have to submit to the world's PC culture. And so there are people that will call in and say that, you know, they're speaking truth, that my walk with God in their eyes is too sinful. My spirit is not right. I get these messages all the time. My goals are not biblical. My teaching is not like Jesus. I'm not saved because I don't have the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues on our podcast. Wouldn't that be weird if I started speaking in tongues on our, our podcast? I mean, maybe not. Maybe I, I'll do it sometime. I, many people say that I'm not right because right now I'm writing a book about one of my heroes, Miriam Ibrahim, this Sudanese woman who was, who was uh, uh, flogged and threatened for death because she refused to deny the name of Jesus. And so many Christians are giving me flack on that because they say that she's Catholic and the Pope is an antichrist and anybody who's Catholic is not saved. So trust me when I say that people contact me all the time, not caring, and they feel that they are sharing truth when I believe in many ways they're just being a jackass. And there's sometimes where I'm a jackass and, and I'm not necessarily sharing truth in order to share what Jesus is talking about, but sometimes I'm just being difficult. I will admit it. There are times where I'm just being difficult. And I deal with Christians all the time that are just being difficult. But I'm not worried about Christians who are jackasses. I'm not worried about what pastors are teaching in churches as much as I'm concerned right now about what they are not teaching in churches. I believe we have a massive, massive problem. And that problem is the church has not been speaking the truth. So a lot of people 
don't even know what the truth is. They've not been speaking the truth because they're trying to be seeker friendly. Maybe. Maybe. They don't want to be known as the bad guy. Maybe they don't want to be known as hateful. Maybe they don't want to be known as homophobic. Maybe they don't want to be known as racist. There are so many topics that pastors today are not willing to touch. The truth as I see it would be offensive to the Chinese that I serve. So there are certain truths that I dare not talk about. As many of you guys know, this podcast sometimes is like a confession for me. And I can confess to you, there are certain topics that I won't touch. The reason I won't touch them? Because I know that they will be offensive to the Chinese that I serve. Guys, I'm being honest with you right now. When I say that there are certain things that I won't talk about. For instance, do you notice that on my podcast, I usually, usually never, can I say that? I usually never. So I would say never, but there might be an exception to the never rule. But I almost never talk about President Xi. I never talk about Hong Kong. And I don't touch Taiwan. Why? Do you notice that, by the way? Because my ideas are not exactly in line with the Chinese church. And I want to be a tool for the Chinese church. So I keep my mouth shut on those items. I'm self-centered and I'm muzzled. But the heart of our problem today is not about President Xi. It's not about Hong Kong. It's not about Taiwan. It's not about politics. So do I... I Personally, I don't give a rip about not speaking on the political climate in China. What I am not self-censored on, what I am not self-censored on, what I do not keep my mouth shut about, or at least I hope I don't, is the gospel message. And that is not being shared. Oh, you mean, Eugene, that people aren't talking about the love of Jesus? Oh, no, they are. They're talking about the love of Jesus, and they're talking about it a little too much. Everyone's talking about it, and no one understands it. You see, they think that the love of Jesus, when I say they, I'm talking about the world. When the world tries to teach you, as a Christian, about the love of Jesus, Jesus who they do not follow, and you do, Jesus who is taught in the Bible a book that they don't read, they have no business teaching you about the love of Jesus Christ. But they are. And we as Christians are fools if we accept their definition of the love of Jesus. Because they think that the love of Jesus is not standing up for killing babies. They think that the love of Jesus Christ is not th saying things that people do not like. They think that love, the real love of Jesus, is saying that Jesus made a mistake when he made you a man and not a girl. Re real love is affirming homosexuals to be pastors in church. They think that love is saying that Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, well, it's all just kind of one way of searching for the truth. 
They think that love, real love, is embracing the idea of stealing from Jack to give to Joe because Jack has too much. And well, Joe, he doesn't need it. And not mentioning that you can't steal from Jack to give to Joe because you can only give what you have to those that need it. And it can't be under duress and it can't be forced. If you are to get credit for it in the kingdom of heaven, it has to come from somewhere that God has changed with inside of you. We think that love, real love, is not teaching that Jesus is the only way because that is offensive to those that believe different. We think that love, real love, is the way that Jesus would do it, is to teach racism to fight racism, not how to forgive those that have done us wrong. No, that's not the way you do it. But instead, you use racism to fight racism. That is what the world is trying to teach us about the love of Christ, and that is not love. That is not the love of Christ. And we, as believers, that are Bible believers and followers of Jesus, cannot, cannot allow the world to dictate to us what love means. Ever, ever, ever. Our silence on this, this very topic has allowed the enemy to dictate our theology, and it no longer matters what you know the truth if you do not share the truth. It does not matter if you know the truth and you do not share the truth. Right now, we have a big congregation within our fellowships that do not know the truth because so many stinking believers are afraid of sharing the truth. And they're afraid of sharing the truth because they haven't embraced the up yours ministry. That if you don't like what I'm saying, if you don't like what the Bible says, if you don't like what the church stands for, then there's the door. What do we need as a ministry to be able to own that kind of freedom, to be able to taste that kind of independence in Christ that says, I don't need your money. I don't need your endorsement. I don't need your support. I need to stay true to the words of Jesus Christ, no matter what that costs me. To know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the, the biggest enemy of a lie is, is the truth. But the biggest enemy of the truth is not a lie. Lie has no power over truth. Truth has all the power over a lie. The biggest enemy of a lie is the truth. The biggest, tru the biggest enemy of the truth is silence. Silence is the enemy of the truth. And our silence, ladies and gentlemen, our silence is the enemy of God's word. And I dare say the enemy of Jesus Christ himself. And why are we silent? Because we don't have an up yours ministry. We are too afraid of what we'll lose. And what will you lose? Supporters? You don't need supporters that are offended by the truth. Your support will not save you. Your wealth will not save you. Your insurance will not save you. Your home will not save you. Your income will not save you. Your bank accounts will not save you. 
Guys, there's only one thing that is going to save us, and that is the truth. And though the truth may lead us into a lifetime of poverty, it will give us more freedom than we've ever experienced with all the wealth in the world. Look at all the CEOs. Guys, I just watched the CEO of Nike. He definitely has screw you money. And he just got on his knees and groveled in front of China. Pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. And when called out on it, he doubled down, not wanting to offend China at all, at any cost. NBA stars that are all high and mighty when it comes to speaking the truth against power. When it comes to speaking the truth about Christians or uh, Western governments that are based on Christian ideas that allow you the freedom to express your ideas, those NBA cowards will stand up and decimate this, the systems that they actually benefit from. But let a communist dictator come out and tell them that they're about to lose their paycheck unless they apologize to China. I just saw a Hollywood star, one of the biggest tough guys ever, even played the part of a U.S. Marine, which I think that movie now needs to be stripped from his titles because he doesn't deserve the title of U.S. Marine because as soon as he was threatened to lose his paycheck from China, he got on YouTube and spoke Chinese begging for forgiveness because they don't have up yours money. Many of us Christians are in the exact same boat because we don't have an up yours ministry. Do you realize that at any moment an army can be raised up? Now you may think that you're safe in England. You might think that you're safe in France, Sweden, America, Canada, Australia, but at any moment, any moment, an army can be raised up and take everything you own, your house, your savings, your car, your home, your church, your fellowship, your fellow believers. You have nothing that can keep you safe. You cannot buy insurance that will keep you safe from the disasters that this world is going to make you face. You can only take with you two things. That which you have in your head and that which you have in your heart. These are the places where we need the gospel to reside at all times. In our mind, in our heart, and our spirit. And the enemy cannot take that away. I, I listened to an interview not too long ago from a, a Christian... Um, sorry, he was not Christian, Jewish... I listened to, he was a student. It's been a while ago, actually. And I've, and I've talked about this on a podcast before. Anybody that has listened to our podcast extensively might remember the story. But this was a young guy. And he was going to school. And his, his parents were Jewish. His grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And they put a big emphasis on his education. And he was going to school to be like a doctor or a lawyer. And within a short time at university, he realized that this, this is not the life I want. And so he went out and started to play on these game shows and he found an algorithm that was almost a guarantee where he could get on these game shows and win a lot of money. And so then he wrote a book about it and he published the book. 
and then he made a lot of money, became a well-known author and a millionaire. And then after having all this money, he had the guts to go and tell his parents that, hey guys, by the way, I've dropped out of school, but don't worry, I have money and I'm super famous. His grandfather, who is this Holocaust survivor, told him, he said, you can have all the money that you want, but it doesn't buy you security. We were pretty wealthy in our home countries when the Nazis came. All of our diamonds, all of our savings, all of our jobs, all of our belongings washed away in moments. The reason we wanted you to get an education and be trained as a doctor is because that is a jewel that you carry in your mind that nobody will ever be able to take away from you. Nobody can take away that education of how to save a life, that understanding of how to medically intervene into somebody's life and, and make their, their situation more livable, possibly save them from dying. That understanding is valuable and they can never break into a vault and steal it from you. That's how I feel about the gospel. The enemy can attack us, but it can not take from us the eternal message of Jesus Christ that we carry in our hearts. And when the world gives us pressure, when you feel ashamed, when you feel embarrassed, when you feel fearful, you need to understand that there is nothing in this world that you own, that I own. I have nothing that is worth not preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. There may come a day, very quickly, I see it more now than ever before, where if you don't buy a certain ideology, if you have not gone through a certain class, if you have not received a certain chip, to say, or, or a mark that says that you've received certain training, been exposed to certain teaching, passed a certain course, embraced a certain idea, that you will not be able to travel, work, buy, sell. And on that day, what will you do? Will you bow? And you may think that, no, 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 I would never bow to that. But perhaps we as believers today are not bowing down all the way on our knees, but we're doing a little bit every day. The enemy just gives us a little bit to make us feel comfortable. Let's just stay there for a while then demands that we compromise a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. Where it doesn't happen overnight, may not happen in a year, might take more than a decade, but over time, are we compromising the truth so much that we don't even realize that we're trying to believe in Jesus while 
bowing on our knees to the God of this world. Something to think about. And even though you might not agree with my terminology, maybe it even offends you to use the term an up yours ministry. I hope it provoked you to at least think about the idea that I'm trying to share. I pray that this message was one that can provoke thought and discussion among you and other believers. I pray that you continue to pray for us in the Back to Jerusalem vision. And I want to thank you so much for downloading this podcast again. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless.